Hey, what's up? This is Matt Dietz, and this is None of My Business. This is the show where I get to sit down with creative, smart, and inspired entrepreneurs who are in the middle of their journey. You know, there's no playbook given to us when we start our business, and it's hard, and we run into roadblocks and questions that we don't have answers to. So I wanted to sit down with people who have done it before so that we might have some semblance of a playbook, and that's why I created this show. And on today's show, I have Sam and Eric Herrera, who are the founders of the Earth Beverage Company. And there's so much to like about this interview. I had such a good time recording with these two. For starters, it's a husband and wife team. And I love talking with husband and wife teams because they have to do a lot of things right to to make it. And um, they are really strong yin and yang. So... They both bring their strengths. They fill each other's weaknesses with those strengths and uh, do an amazing job. And we talk about what it's like running a company together while being married. Secondly, Earth Beverage Company sells something called a switchel, which I was excited to hear about and learn about. And I'm going to read something really quick on what is a switchel, right? First of all, a switchel is like a 18th century drink that they are bringing back, which is amazing. So this is from E.S. Huffman from Up Rocks, right? In short... A switchel is tart, but not too tart. It's sweet, but not too sweet. It's energizing, if only because it makes you feel like you're doing your body a favor. The first time you drink it, you may suddenly find yourself researching hot yoga and marathon training. This is okay. This is natural. Embrace the change your body is feeling. So how do you not want to learn about two people who are bringing back the switchel? And thirdly, they brought this back right as the pandemic was raging. And so they had some things and some obstacles that they had to overcome immediately. So we talk about that. We talk about how amazing the community here is in town, in Boise, how they support each other, how they help each other. And I just had the best time talking with these two. So Sam and Eric, thank you so much for coming on. Let's get to your story. All right. Well, today I am joined with Sam and Eric, who are the founders, CEOs, king and queen of Earth <laughs> Beverage Co. How are you guys doing today? So good. Doing great. I'm excited to have you here. Let's tell some stories. All right. So I'm going to tell you, um, I'm going to give you guys just a nice slow pitch right down the middle. So like, where are you from? How'd you get to Idaho? My story's not as fun, so I'll go first. Um, I'm originally from San Bernardino, California, but then I moved to Littleton. I lived in the Front Range when I was nine, so okay. Colorado was like home for me. And then we together met in Fort Collins, Colorado. So oh, nice. I moved up there for like a chiropractic job, and then this handsome young man came into my office. Change your life. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you move to Fort Collins? Twenty. Probably 2011 okay. or 2012, because we met in 2013. Is that right? You're the worst with yeah. that. <laughs> it was yeah. before. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah, I think I think 2011 is when I moved to Fort Collins from like the Denver area. Okay. And then when did you get? When did you land here in Boise? Well, we took a little hiatus to Northern Washington. We went to Bellingham for a hot second, and that was a challenge and that for a variety of reasons yeah and then we came here in 2015 i think the end of 2015 is when we got back okay. but eric had been in idaho beforehand he's the reason we moved here okay he had the love of boise i am uh well family from chicago area nice uh, grew up in charleston south carolina 
and came out here in 2009 uh, for a job. Uh, I graduated college with an environmental studies degree okay. and came out here uh, to work for four months with Idaho Fish and Game. It was going to be a summer gig and uh, just fell in love with the place right. and wound up staying. And I was here for um, about five or six years um, and then followed a job to Colorado, uh, another fisheries job. And then that's where we met in Fort Collins. Okay. Yeah. It's a hard place to leave, isn't it? Yeah. It was a hard place for me to be away from. Yeah. The whole time I was gone, uh, there was just really, I think, in the back of my mind the whole time, like, I need to get back to Boise. Yeah. In the front of your mind, because he'd be like, oh, in Colorado things are further ahead and it's more populated. It's not like, I don't know, it's not a small town anymore. Nope. And so he'd be like, man, in Boise I could do this, or oh, I could do this, mm-hmm. or like we'd get, I don't know, we probably spent $1,000 on off-leash dog tickets. <laughs> Right. I know my wife's from here and she moved away for a period of her life when she was in like, like junior high and high school. And she went to college in Washington and like the whole time she was away, she was like, I got to get home. I got to like when she walked, she, she didn't even walk when she graduated. She's like, I'm done. My files are done. Got in a car and drove right like the same day. She's like, I'm out of here. I need to get home. And like, that's where I met her was at Washington state. And she brought me here and this was back in 01 and I mean I it just hit me right between the eyes as soon as I saw it and and it's been our home for 20 years so we just love it here there's so much to love about it one of the things that I've really grown to love is the business community it's just unbelievable I get to meet cool people like you and you guys are doing amazing things and so tell me a little bit about earth beverage right now like tell me about your company um, what do you make and then we're gonna go backwards and work our way forward so tell me about earth today yeah so today we make a sparkling switchel which is inspired by a 17th century recipe what's a switchel it is the it's like the gatorade of the 17th century oh. so it is a recovery rehydration drink we just kind of uh it up a little bit historically it would be like apple cider vinegar ginger and usually sorghum or molasses mm-hmm. sometimes maple syrup those darker sweeteners are typically indicative of a higher potassium content okay however it's not vermont maple syrup doesn't make sense sorghum and molasses are hard to cover so we sweeten with honey because we can you know, support a local farmer it tastes better it has its own enzymatic profile and then we add cold pressed juices for flavoring okay um, and that's kind of we have a line of botanical sodas also but the switchels are what kind of differentiate us nobody on the west coast is making switchel no um so it makes us pioneers over here yep um, that's where she is today i love it yeah all right well so how many different flavors or drinks do you make today well, we have our core four. So we've got the raspberry ginger, the turmeric, our spiced pineapple, and then what's the other? The rotators. The rotators. Yeah, we do a, a summer seasonal, which is a, a watermelon switchel. Right. And then uh, this year we released a new one that we call the rainbow switchel. Uh, which was inspired uh, by a friend of ours that worked with us last year. And, Shout out uh, to Flora. Woo. Yeah, thanks, Flora. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so that one is uh, beets and carrots, and we use uh, local beets and carrots from uh, a farm, Fiddler's Green Farm, here locally. Uh, that was when we first started making it. Uh, we were using their, their produce. Um, it's beets, carrots, uh, green apples, ginger. 
what else am I missing? Sunshine and happiness. But the reason it's called rainbow is because you have all that that color spectrum. Sure. You know, so the color spectrum of the rainbow. Yeah. Well, they're very good. Thank you. They're excellent. I'm going to keep them in my office forever. We will make that happen. Thank you. you. Yeah, let's do that. So let's, uh, let's tell your origin story. So what were you doing before Earth and how did you get to earth like what tell me about what you're doing before and then tell me about like you know the day you woke up and you're like we should make a switchel you know yeah (laughs) what was that like this is uh this is good it kind of leads into back kind of how we met um i went to colorado for a fisheries job that was in 2013 if you remember in 2013 there was like a, a furlough a government furlough the government shut down for a while i was working for uh the forest service and so all of a sudden i found myself like unemployed yeah. uh with rent and not really sure what was going to happen so i was in fort collins and i just uh, i've always was a fan of beer and i homebrewed beer um, started doing that in college so started applying to a bunch of brewery jobs. Obviously, Colorado's famous for its its craft beer. Yeah. Um, and wound up getting a job with Odell Brewing Company. Sure. Uh, in Fort Collins, and that's kind of where I cut my teeth, I guess, in that industry. And 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 I just rode with it. I, I didn't go back to fisheries. Uh, I worked at Odell. Um, we met at that time. Uh, wound up moving to do that stint in Washington. Um, all the while knowing I wanted to come back to Boise, uh, I found out that Payette Brewing Company was about to expand their operations. This is when they went from their location in Garden City to their now location on the river, which is a much larger facility. And so I got a job there and started brewing beer. Um, What did you learn about the brewing community? Like once you got into it, is it pretty tight knit? Is it, are they pretty collaborative? Is it really, you know, competitive, you know, what's the, what's the brewing community like? Yeah. Uh, I think here in Boise, it's pretty competitive. I think that, I think that Boise has always been a place, uh, since I've been here that I feel like people are a little bit more competitive with things. It's a small, it was a smaller town. Right. Uh, I think it's changing now. I think there's mm-hmm. a lot more, a lot more cake for people yeah, to yeah. eat, uh, now, but I think, uh, at the time it was very competitive and people were kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know, trying to defend their, their space their a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but as we know now that, that there's there's plenty of beer for people to drink and everybody has their, you know, their local favorites and things like that. Um, but during that time, uh, I got really good at it. You know, I got good at the process. I got good at learning how to make beer and, and, and also just uh, the carbonation and the science part because I had that science background I really mm-hmm. took to that. Um, and culinary. And culinary, yeah. Oh, yeah forgot about that yeah um and we just i think at the time sam was working at whole foods i was working at payette and all those those were great jobs you know it it wasn't going to get us ahead yeah and and i think we were at the point where where we were working hard and and we knew that we could do something by ourselves we knew that we could work hard just as hard or harder um and be our own bosses you're also a terrible employee (laughs) I think that I like when I look back on it, like the problems that I had as, as, as an employee, um, were because I am so driven and like a driven for perfection sometimes even, and, um, wanting to be perfect and having, having bosses or whatever that didn't have that same desire that just kind of were like, Hey, just get the job done. 
you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, that's not uncommon, right? You've got people who do well in their job and they work really hard and they have bosses that maybe don't hold uh, their company to as, a, as high a standard as maybe you think you would, right? And then they're like, well... I can do this on my own. And a lot of people think like that. It's a tough jump though. Like a lot of people think that, but actually doing the work once they get into it, which you guys have done and done successfully, you know, there are certain things that you have to have that you have to have a real work ethic. You just can't think you have a real work ethic, you know, cause you get thrown things that you haven't cause you've always had somebody to answer to. There's always someone else that, you know, could take the heat if you made a mistake or something like that. But when you're a business owner, there's nowhere to hide, you know? And so, um, I'm interested to hear what your transition was like from being an employee who thought they could do it to actually making it happen. Was it as hard as you thought? I'll take it. Uh, I think that, I think that we were so lucky. Um, we were able to take, you know, our jump kind of very slowly, uh, at first, Sam, when we when we came up with the idea, hey, we're gonna make these carbonated, non-alcoholic beverages. Um, it was uh, we had a sign made that just said botanical sodas, <laughs> you know, and uh, it was it was a lot of Sam's ideas at first. Um, she wanted to make these uh, honey these honey syrups that had a bunch of different botanical sort of medicinal plants and things like that, and she had this idea that she was going to. Uh, serve them at the farmer's market where she was going to just mix them with carbonated water. I wanted to make Italian sodas. Yes. And you were like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, thanks, baby. <laughs> well, what you wanted to do is you wanted to make a product that was going to require the consumer to do something. Yeah. And I thought that they don't like that. Yeah. They want something that they can grab <laughs> just, and just open yeah. and drink, you know, yeah. uh, having to mix it, uh, was going to be, uh, you know, a whole nother step that consumers didn't want. So that was my idea. I said, why don't we just make these ready to drink and put them in a can? Um, and I think the reason that you also would think of that and I wouldn't, cause I remember when he told me, I was like, how do you get it in the can? Yeah. Well, how do they <laughs> how do, do that? Right. So I think Eric had like the background to be like, Oh no, this isn't like a crazy voodoo thing. Like you just put it in and you seen the top, but I didn't know. And so it seemed easier for me to just be like, Oh, we'll just put it in the bottle. <laughs> well, and all these things we have to learn. Yeah. Right. And to get back to your question, uh, the transition was really easy for us because we were both working and we started the whole idea with just, we are going to make this and we are going to go to the farmer's markets on Saturdays and we're going to sell them. It was a side hustle for us. So yeah. We so were, we were just starting out. Let's make a yeah. couple extra bucks. Yeah. Did you have visions of it being anything else in the beginning? Were you like, well, what if, did you, were you like, what if this takes off or what if we sell a ton of it? And what if we... Now all of a sudden people are knocking on our door and like, or were you just like, I don't know, this is fun. Let's just mess around and see what happens. This is a, maybe a very airy fairy answer to that, but I feel like it just felt like I didn't, for me personally, I didn't need to know what the end was because I was just like, Oh, this is a thing. Like yeah. I'm being called to do this for a reason and mm -hmm. I feel everything is clicking into place for a reason. And so I don't know. I think I always knew it would be big, but it wasn't like, that wasn't the carrot. Yeah. You know, you weren't 
going to deem yourself unsuccessful if it didn't take yeah, off. We you, were just enjoying being in it. And like, yeah. um, Eric is half Costa Rican. His dad's from Costa Rica. And so his family has a house there and we typically go and spend some time. And we do a lot of dreaming and like creativity just comes there because it's just a pause, right? Yeah. You're not like you're not on your phone as much. You don't have as many responsibilities. Like life is just very slow. And so I think it allows like ideas to just come to you. And so there were so many little pivots and big ideas that came in that time. And when you're in, for me, when I'm like pulled out of the grid and I'm more slow, like the world is my oyster. Yeah. We can make it. Like there's no, the sky is Everything opens up. Totally. And so I think that, I don't know. It was just like, yeah, this is just what we're doing. It was like, there wasn't anything else that we would do. It was just it. So tell me about your first, farmer's market and what what did you bring and how did it go well our first thing we did was the big Le Bois in 2017 18 right I don't know 17 or 18 Could have been 17. but it was just like a random event that Boise Weekly had put on and they were like hey do you guys want to come and do this and we had we even have the sign then we had the botanical soda sign. <laughs> yeah and then Eric had made some jockey boxes because we did only draft and I had these like cobalt blue bottles with yes. these little paper stickers on them and so we were just like filling that right. right and the flavors in and we did that and all everyone who was drinking came to us because it was the middle of the day and it was hot nobody wanted beer and we were the only na option yeah and so we sold like a thousand dollars and i think we were both like whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know yeah it was not what we were expecting <laughs> above and beyond i think our expectations oh, yeah. and the feedback that we had at that point and i think that was the point where we were like oh like <laughs> you know like this could there might be something there yeah, yeah there could be something there and it was it was our first event that yeah. we had ever done we hadn't even been in the farmers market yet uh-uh. i love it yeah. yeah what did you do after that so when did you guys get to a point so you started going to farmers the farmers market after that the one downtown capital city right yeah we did capital city and then so you, did you work that for like the summer and then when did you guys were like let's push all the chips in. I'm going to quit my job and we're going to do this for real. Like walk me through that. That conversation is always interesting for me, especially when we've got, you know, a couple doing this together. Yeah. Um, I want to go back. Okay. And, uh, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier about the business community here. Mm -hmm. Um, We, during those first two years when it was our, our side hustle, we had to figure a lot of things out. Um, couldn't just do it in our own kitchen. You know, we had to find places. Um, there were so many people that we met that helped us throughout the way. Um, Scott from My Family Tradition, who is a barbecue sauce, Scott and Janelle, they let us use their space uh, for a year mm-hmm. when we first started, basically, where I was helping them out a little bit, uh, make their make their sauces and, uh, and kind of trading for being able to use their space. So a thank you to them. That's where we got our start. That's where we first started the farmer's market. Um, And then also Mike uh, Francis and Paige Francis from Payette, uh, who let us stay in their facility, um, making our product um, free of charge for a long time. That's awesome. And and so the support of those people, I I don't think we could have started. No, we needed people that were there to kind of hold our hands and be like, here, use our equipment. And... You know, it took the barrier to entry out of it for us. Wow, what a gift. Yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. When did you guys decide to go all in? The pandemic made us pivot into that. 
because we were predominantly event-based because we were doing we did the farmers markets my background I had worked farmers markets a lot I went to school for functional medicine I studied Chinese and Western botanical uh, herbalism and then also nutrition but I right out of herbal school I was the formulator for a company called Taspins out of Colorado and so I made I was the lead production facilitator I made all of their stuff but we predominantly sold farmers market and so I had seen how you could use that as a focus group how you could get really quick feedback from consumers and how you make you can make bank if yeah. you're selling um, especially because Keith from Taspins he was like fairly reliable Bob out there like just right. calling people. And so that's where I learned like oh if you're aggressive like if you really get after it, then people will buy your stuff. But that was when I was like, okay, we need to do the farmer's market because A, it will bring us direct to consumer capital. So it's gonna be you know the highest margin you're gonna get. And also the feedback and people with Taskman's, they knew who we were, you know, because you were just like seeing thousands of people. So yeah. like, this is gonna get us into the community. So we got into Capital City public market and we were just slaying. And then we had started to do a little bit of Boise farmer's market before or maybe the no. pandemic happened but all of our events went away so all of our main like the money that was coming in then stopped sure and so we were kind of like we had signed we had got the occupancy permit for our new brewery that we had just built out the day that the city shut down Aye. and so that's when we were like we are now predominantly a wholesale company and we are going to push and pivot fast and hard okay um, so yeah the pandemic made us do that and we're very grateful so give me some we're gonna we're gonna go to that next but i am curious give me some best practices for you know building a brand through a farmer's market because i think that's there's an art to that you know you could set up a booth and sit there all day you know your product ultimately the, the market doesn't lie right if people buy your stuff and it's good you know that's probably the ultimate barometer but you know what are some things that people should be aware of when they're like oh, i'm gonna get a booth and i'm gonna try and sell my product like give me some best practices for how to show up and get the most out of it that you can. I think the big, the, the kind of first and foremost thing for me is you're gonna get out what you put in. If you're gonna bring a captain's chair and you're gonna sit in your captain's chair and you're gonna watch people walk by you, you're not gonna sell stuff. Mm -hmm. If you're stoked, stoke and certainty sell products. If you're stoked and you're certain, your consumer is stoked and they're certain. I like that. Yeah, and so that's like the energy that you bring is so incredibly important. You can have the most minimal six foot table, whatever, very you know you don't it doesn't need to be a lot of bells and whistles if you yourself bring the energy if you're the bells and whistles you're the bells and whistles and then over time then like we we had paper labels that i was printing off of my like we would have the cans in the cooler we would take them out somebody would tell you which one you wanted we would stick the label on it it would look good for about 30 seconds right and then it would start <laughs> But people still bought them, you know, yeah. because we were like, oh, we're doing this thing. We're so excited. The God, please, you know, and I think it was endearing, too. People were like, yeah. oh, you guys are cute. You're so cute. <laughs> for me, that's the big thing with markets. Um, and then also, if you're going to ask for consumer feedback, you need to listen to what people are saying and put it to use. Yeah. Anything? Yeah. Um, we did. The only thing that came to my mind was a. Uh, uh, we, you know, we, we had some, a little bit of money that we put into the business before we started the farmer's market and we decided to, uh, buy two really nice Yeti coolers. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And part of that was because I, I, I'm a rafter and, and I like the outdoor stuff. And I was like, oh, well, we could use these coolers right. personally and <laughs> yeah. also use them for the business. Uh, and I just thought about that, how a lot of people when we first started, would, you know, farmer's market folks had a lot of like igloo coolers and things like that but a lot of people would comment on our coolers like, yeah they'd walk by and see our coolers and we had these nice blue ones and everybody like that would draw in a lot of people's attention so, like, like no bells and whistles and you're like yeah, yeah. we did have, yeah, you're like we did have, cooler snobs yeah. what are you gonna do yeah. but for us your stuff has to stay cool so it yeah just, they're, it they're great coolers of course yeah. um yeah i just remember that being like that was a bell Dudes. and whistle you know that, that yeah. was something that we had and people would come by and be like oh look at those you know <laughs> And then I'd sell them product. <laughs> All right. Cooler. So you guys sign a lease and then you, you immediately are told you really can't do anything. Right. So, uh, you know, this, this round of interviews I'm doing with business owners, the, you know, the pandemic comes, I'm, I'm actively asking like what it was like, cause it's still so fresh and it, it was such a surreal time. It's like none of us had ever been through anything like that. Um, the business community here really rallied in a lot of different ways. And so I want to hear your story on how the, uh, how the pandemic what it did it was good for you like let's say it i know it was really good for you you guys had to pivot quickly but you know tell me what you did you wanted to get into wholesaling get into stores you know walk me through like what were your conversations like when you were told and what did you do in that first month and how did you survive i think pushing into whole wholesale wasn't too hard because the community was very open to local product and they saw like hey these tiny businesses are gonna they're gonna fizzle out you know if we're not taking them in so like we got into the eric had worked part-time at the co-op as like a fun kind of a inter intermediary job yeah. between pay it and, and taking the full jump into earth and so we had like a foot in there because we knew everybody there you know and they were kind of like yep we'll take you in like they were just like local businesses count, yeah come count, on in come on albertson's was one of those two like a life raft yeah we didn't get in with them on that round um, but we have so many small wholesale accounts that came up from that. I think we acquired like 50 retail partners in 2020, 2020, because we just were like, hey, do you want to sell our stuff? Hey, do you want to sell our stuff? And I think the other thing was um, we made a lot of friends with other business owners, like Jason from Lemon Tree in particular because his vibe was very similar to our vibe like he would be on instagram like super positive very positive forward like never never a complaint out of his mouth never never fear nothing always just super positive yeah and so i think when you have that kind of like high frequency and you're just like We're, we can do this we yeah, can do this the wave. More. we can do this people and so for us it built a community of people that were like okay like we can do this. We're going to be scrappy. It's going to be fun. We're going to enjoy it. We're going to make the best. I of love this. it. Yeah. And I am super grateful. Yeah. That. Jason's amazing. Yeah. And you guys did some work together. Yes. Like you guys were your products in his shop they and in yeah. Shops. Yeah. You yeah. guys are leaning on each other and helping each other out. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. We've become good friends. Um, probably because of the pandemic, you know, and kind mm -hmm. of seeing, you know, seeing his hustle and, and kind of the way he, he, uh, you know, sidestepped and started doing what he needed to do. And, and we took that, that same approach. I actually remember, you know, right when all that was happening and everything started to shut down, like people were on their phones a lot, you know, and, and because you weren't doing anything else, you know? And, um, uh, I remember watching, uh, Instagram, uh, Western Collective Brewery in Garden City uh, basically started like doing home deliveries uh, 
with slushies and beer and things like that. Right. Um, they had just gotten a really expensive can line and uh, they were like, you know, they kind of had that panic. And I remember like watching that video and Sam and I were in our shop and I said, we need to start doing this. Uh, thanks, Carrie, for the idea. Yeah, thanks, Carrie. <laughs> um, again, another business yeah. you know, that just spoke to us and, and, and kind of, you know, helped us, I guess, or inspired us. And then we we started doing the same thing. And I remember it being very, um, you know, it felt almost rogue in a way. You know, I would be I would be driving around during that time that we were like really shut down. Um, we were doing deliveries every single day. And yeah. I would go to the shop and I would, I would load up my truck and you'd be driving around and it was so eerie because nobody was out so on the weird. streets, you know? Like, yeah. I'd be out on like Eagle Chinden and there were two cars at <laughs> right. the stoplights. You're like, you should know? I even be here? Yes. And it, felt, it did feel very rogue and I felt, I felt very empowered as we were doing it because I'm like, we're making money and we're doing this. And like, I, I, I felt very happy about it and almost like I was doing something bad which makes sense because I, I like I'm like a rule breaker anyway you're a pirate yeah yeah so, and I felt like that I did that I felt like a pirate that was that was like or maybe Robin Hood you know like, yeah, doing, doing good but doing something that I wasn't you know I shouldn't be out yeah I'm doing good. we're gonna do it anyway yeah and that was uh you know that was a, a huge thing for us. I think. I mean, that couple that kept us afloat that was a for a long time. For us. Uh, we still do that. We've just kind of distilled it down to one day. And at the time, we had one of our friends was living with us. We rented a room, and he worked for Dawson Taylor. And I was like, "Look, dude, I know you can't pay me rent because you're not making any money. But you and your little tiny fuel-efficient car are going because we both have big trucks. Yeah. And so you know, he had like a little Subaru Impreza. So we would send him with the ones that were super far out, and that was kind of like his exchange for us feeding him. And housing him was helping us to do all these deliveries but yeah we still do it we still was, do the subscription model i was gonna ask like what was that like logistically to have 50 places that you got to get your product in now i mean it's great they got 50 places but like there are two of you and there are a lot of cans that you got to get in certain places so what was that like did you guys like you know, i know we don't use maps anymore but i can picture you two like on the floor like map, like like scouring over the town you're like all right what is the most effective way to get our product like we have stops one through 40 what how did you guys figure all that out yeah it was pretty easy um there is a uh, a couple apps that you can get that are like oh, route planner apps oh my god that's yeah. awesome uh, route optimizer. you're just throwing in addresses and it just yeah. but they're only yep. free for like seven stops that's how they get oh. and then it's like paid seven yeah. hours to do the rest of your route and you're like cool which while we were while we were doing that uh, when we were doing it every day it was worth it and I did wind up paying for a route optimizer um yeah, I believe that's what the app is called for. That's amazing. Who maybe want to do that in the future. What a Imagine world! Imagine if we had MapQuest and printers. I know. To do that Back in the old days, right? Oh. Well, and I think now I'm I I can just do it by looking at the addresses because I've I've done it enough to where um, home addresses are a little bit harder. Yeah. But with with businesses, I I have a much better idea. Um, which has been interesting when we're training a new delivery driver because everybody has different ideas about what's the best way to go. Oh my God. (laughs) I know. It's like being, it's like, it's like in your family. Like, like I've had conversations with my dad and my mom. And like when we fly in from out of town, it's like, okay, we landed. What's the best way to get, this is maybe before we even had maps on our phones. What's the best way to get to your house? And you know, your mom will be like, well, you want to take this highway? And then, and your the dad steps and he's like, no, no, no. You want to take state street and then you want to go. And there's like, 
It's a total cluster. Just, I am just concerned with the path of least resistance, right? Yeah. Just get me from A to B. So I was wondering, that sounded like a nightmare, but who knew route optimizers, yeah. right? Yeah. Why not? So I'm also curious too. I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think we could learn something from you too. What's it like running a business as a couple? You guys both definitely bring different skills to the table. Um, uh, how do you guys work together? You know, working together and living together is a challenge. You know, I think there are people that can do it. And then there are some people that are like, I would never want to do that. You know, um, how do you guys make it work? Has it been tough? Like, do you really lean into each other's strengths? What's, have you def- have clearly defined roles? Like, how have you made this work? Because it's a, it's a dance and we know. Yeah. We're both looking at each other. (laughs) Who wants to take this first? I think the kind of number one overarching thing is like, he's my best friend. I might want to murder him every day, but he's still my best friend. And so we always have that to fall back on. I also think that we both have a very large sense of humor and just realize the hilarity of things. And so sometimes when stuff gets really like heated, at the end of it, 99.99% of times, then someone, you know, busts out a ridiculous joke and then we laugh about it yeah. and, and then we can move through it. So I think that's like our biggest asset that's great. is humor and being best friends. And then also doing quite a bit of dividing and conquering because we both are stubborn. We both have big personalities. We both want to be the boss. But at the same time, the things that I'm not good at, Eric is good at. The stuff that Eric's not good at, I'm good at. And so it makes it easy because we can come together to do things, but then we can also separate and hustle and get things done separately and have kind of creative and organizational and operational, whatever that word is, (laughs) over like our own dominion. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's important. I think that um, my wife and I both own businesses. We don't own the same business, but so we both have similar understandings on what it takes to be a business owner. And there's a lot of comfort in that, you know, and we are each other's de facto business partners. So we always run each other's ideas past each other's. How should I, she has two employees. I have two employees, you know, she has patients. I have clients. And so we all have to deal with customer service and sales and dealing with people and stuff like that and staffing and say all this stuff. And so we're always running ideas by each other. And I think the thing that really helps us is just the belief that we're always trying to do our best, you know, and, and as a baseline, like yeah, we're all going to make mistakes, you know, I'm going to do something stupid. She might make a mistake, you know, but at the end of the day, we just truly give each other the benefit of the doubt all the time. And even if some, even if I do something stupid, you know, it was still, there were good intentions behind my stupidity. Right. And so having that underlying, you know, theme has really been important for us. I know. So yeah. Is this a therapy session? <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to help people who need the help, you know. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um spoke volumes to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's important. It's hard. It's really tough. I but mean you guys fun. can't it should be fun. It's fun. And I was thinking about it yesterday and I, I was thinking about like if, if I had a business partner in Earth Bevco that wasn't Eric, it wouldn't quite be the same either because like Earth Bethco is our baby and it's our life. And so we're kind of co, we are co-creating 
our experience together and it's easier versus like if I had, you know, Shirley was my business partner. Right. Like she's creating her own life around this, but us, it's like, it's one big thing. And so it makes the vision more cohesive. I think I also think that maybe it makes our hustle more intense because it is like our life, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's we, I mean, maybe, you know, when we started this business, it, obviously like yeah we want to start a business so we can make money but like that wasn't really the goal the goal was to create a life that we wanted you yes. know and so i think that those earlier questions of how was it getting started and things like that that's why they came easier because we didn't jump into it being like we're going to do this and it's got to start making money and yeah here's you know, our like, business plan and yeah yeah you know and we did we did all that stuff i did business plans and in fact i remember doing a business plan and then going to the uh, Portland Kettleworks, the company that made all our stainless steel equipment. Uh, a guy who is a very successful business owner. Um, and that I basically gave him, I gave him the business plan and uh, he looked at it and kind of like thumbed through it. And he's like, well, he's like, you know, he's like, that's all good until a month after you open. You know? right. He's like, good thing he thought about it, but everything gets thrown out. And at the time I like, I think I felt offended by it. Um, <laughs> But then realized really quickly, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was all, um, you know, just a, a, a mental uh, exercise, really. Was well, it's a lot of stuff you needed to get out, you know, mm -hmm. and you're like, let me get it all out on paper. There's something real to that, putting stuff like that out in the world like that and yeah. giving yourself some sort of compass, you know, to move forward or move towards. So, yeah. That's so, why, yeah, no, that's something I maybe don't think about every single day, but we did. Maybe one of the big whys was like, let's create, let's let's craft our lifestyle. Like we, you know, our life is awesome. Like, do we work a lot? Yes. Do we work more than the average person? A hundred percent. Making a bajillion dollars? No. But are we stoked about our lifestyle? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was is that we were we were both we both wanted to work for ourselves. We both wanted to be you know, we wanted to have a, a lifestyle where. You know, I think for me, it was one of those things where like, oh, well, I didn't get great sleep last night, uh, you know, and then I, I show up and at 7.15 and I got a boss like pointing at his watch when I walk in the door, you know, oh, you're 15 minutes late and like that. At the end of the day, like when you think about like what life means, you're like, man, 15 minutes, you know, and like what, why am I doing this? You know, like yep. this is my life. I, I had bad sleep last night. Like I choose to take care of myself and get an extra hour of sleep so that I can be a better person through the rest of the day kind of thing. And, and, and I think that is freedom, mm -hmm. you know, that it's freedom and, uh, and that's what we wanted a lot of. And, and, and we can do that today, you know, yeah. if I have a, you know, I might we had this today, I'll, I'll go back to the shop and I'll work and I'll probably work till nine o'clock tonight. Um, but then tomorrow, you know, I might not do much till yeah, noon. Yeah. You know, I might just wake up in the morning, have some coffee, eat some eggs and, and, and not do anything. Um, you know, and, and, and I can control that and yeah. that's beautiful. And to circle it back to like the pros of being a husband wife team, like again, that's our life together. Mm -hmm. Like today we're like, okay, we have this at 11. We're going to go take the dogs on a walk. Like it's because it's our life. Versus like Shirley over here. Yeah. I'm like, okay, Shirley. Yeah. You know, like we did. I didn't sleep good. Like you, it's different. You're not communicating with that outside source. It's like well, we're we are we're one. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> you know. Well, it's easier to hold. Yeah. I think. 
I think there's like a, like a built-in accountability too. Yeah. Like you guys don't want to fail each other, yeah. right? And so that's totally woven into, you know, what you're building. You either one of you would feel bad if one of you just dropped the ball or just wasn't holding their weight. I mean, there's integrity to what you guys are doing, and um, I can see that and feel it. And so you guys are totally moving in the right direction. So. Well done. So I want to talk to you about what it's like entering, like, you know, the world of beverage sales. It's gotten really pretty intense over the past. I mean, probably the last 20 years. I mean, you know, micro brews in my experience really blew up in the early 90s, like in Seattle. Right. And from there, it just spread like wildfire. Um most recently, like hard seltzers have gone bananas. Like, you, oh my God, just going to any grocery store the past couple of years and like it was White Claw for a minute and now it's like you can get a freaking Corona, you know, seltzer or something like that, you know, um, sports drinks, bottled water. I mean, everyone's carrying a can of something around or a bottle of something. It's become a part of like America, you know? And so how hard has it been, you know, to try and carve out your niche, uh, in, in that world and how's it going? It's not been hard at all. And I think one of the, so when I was working at Whole Foods, Eric would come for his lunch because we got like a pretty sweet discount. And so he would come and do like hot bar, salad bar stuff. And we had the functional beverage cooler, which at the time was small. Now it's massive. But you see people just like stand there and be like, there are 75 different brands here. So right. that had already kind of that wave of people thinking about what they were drinking already started to happen in Southern California, Colorado, Washington, Pacific Northwest, all over the world. And it started to trickle into Boise. So for us, we just kind of caught on to that wave you know so it wasn't like a it wasn't a challenge i think we do have to do a little bit more education in boise with like because we get the if there's no alcohol in it why would we drink it so there isn't alcohol pairing suggestion on your pants <laughs> so have your cake and eat it too right but we kind of were able to like leverage what was already happening in like mass consciousness of people being like okay hydration is kind of like number two maybe besides sleep for health and also people were evaluating what they were consuming because even in the alcohol seltzer beer whatever you're seeing people start to switch to that clean label a little mm -hmm. bit people aren't drinking they don't want the really nasty stuff there's a movement towards like oh okay like this is a chemical this is food right so i think it was actually perfect timing for us to kind of catch just like get on was it hard to get noticed? Like your product shows up with 80 other products. Like, was there any work that went behind, you know, driving people to your product in a store or something like that? Or did they just start, you just threw them in the store and they just started selling? That's like part of the reason that it's a tall boy. Okay. Um, and that's it. That 16 ounce came with the white label. It's in, it's 16 ounces and white for a reason. Because okay. it made us look very different than everybody else who was bottled. Mm -hmm. And then, or they were 12 ounce cans. And there was kind of a period, I think like 2010, 12, 13, where particularly in beer, they were these really busy, really high color, like, you know, I'm trying to think Almanac had some crazy labels. There's Almanac and Revision. Revision. Revision was, uh, uh, at least here in the, in the Pacific. Northwest, they kind of started doing the hazy IPA thing, yeah. and were doing 16 ounce four packs. And everybody else followed suit. They they got known for their IPAs, and everybody wanted them. And, and at the time, you know, I was obviously working in the beer industry, and I saw the trend towards the 16 ounce cans uh, in beer. 
um, and I said, hey, let's do this. And, and, and there's some economics to that too in that um, the can price for a 16 ounce versus a 12 ounce uh, isn't a whole lot different. So, so financially it doesn't save us a lot of money, but then we're giving the consumer, you know, something that feels bigger and better. Yeah. Um, so that was part of that. And then, um, you know, when we finally did, uh, when we weren't the botanical sodas anymore and we decided we were earth Bevco, uh, that was in part, uh, we, Sam was insistent that we, we use some money to brand our product and, and do it professionally. Um, this wasn't like a job that we did at home. And you can probably speak to that more. Uh, well, people with, buy, you, you, you consume everything with your eyeballs first. Yep. Everything in the world. Like for me, I know as a consumer, I'm so drawn to the packaging. And then I take the next step and I do read the label and then I kind of suss out like, okay, what's in this? But mm-hmm. for the most part, I was like, okay, people have to be like, oh, what's that? You right. Know? And so it is branded a little bit like beer mm-hmm. because then we do get that alcohol consumer that's like, oh, like at markets, people be like, oh, can I try your best IPA? <laughs> right. And I'm like, no. Nope. <laughs> Um, but so that was kind of the thing. So we, we went and I knew I had, I had made this like really elaborate PowerPoint with like, okay, here is my target demographic. This is what they look like. This is what they do for fun. These are the colors that they like. These are the fonts that they like. I had kind of like really dissected what I wanted. I made an avatar and her name is Beth. So I kind of like deconstructed Beth and I was like, okay, originally we went to Drake Cooper. Most of the marketing firms in town laughed at us because I was like, look, I have this specific amount of money. It's not 50 K, you know, which is what walking in the door for like Oliver Russell, things like that. You need Mm. about $50,000 for a branding package. But I was mostly like, we need a name and I need the beginning stages of a label. Everything else I can kind of put together because I can see it. And so they helped us workshop our name. And then there's a woman named Jenny Myers who was their creative director. She now owns Against. Her and I made friends, and she speaks fluent Sam. And so I could, like, draw something up on Canva and then give her, like, a verbal vomit. And then she, she like, exactly what I had in my head she did. And I was love like, oh, my God, thank you. Because I, I don't have the skills. Great. I don't have the technical skills to make it, but I have the vision. Um, and so this has differentiated us so much because it's super clean, mm-hmm. You know, there's, like... In the the I do all the copy, all the writing on the can is like cheeky enough to where people are like, okay, oh, that's clever. Yeah, uh, and yeah. It's, kind of, it's not quite Dr. Bronner's bottle, but there's a lot of font on there. There's a lot of things where you can sit and like read it or whatever. Um, but yeah, that also makes it. So, what made out. you think of you know creating an avatar? Is that something that you learned in a past life? Like that's not something that people innately know. You know, um, like where did that come from? I think for me, I have a lot of thoughts all the time, and so. So I tend to have to kind of like, like if you were to look on my computer, I have a running PowerPoint right now of like, here are the big things I need to achieve. Let me break it down. Let me break it down. Let me break it down. And so for marketing, I was kind of like, okay, step one, who's buying it? Right. And so then it was also a very fun, it's very fun for me because it's just this creative process yeah. of making up a character. Yeah. And I think it just a it partially just was like a fun, it appeased my inner need for creativity. I love it. But I don't know where I got that idea. And it's also funny because I've had people that are like, oh no, that's what Coca-Cola and Pepsi or whatever. That's where I got the name Avatar. Cause I was like, I have this person I made up and they're like, well, it's called an Avatar. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I don't know. It just, seemed, it just seemed like what I should do. Yeah. So yeah. when we went, well in, done. when we went into Drake Cooper, uh, you know, Sam had already built these PowerPoints. You know, I think, I think these companies are, 
are used to somebody coming in and being like, I got this idea. Like, here it is, do it it. for me, you know? And and we had several meetings with them where we were bringing in PowerPoint presentations where Sam had done all the graphics and just like, basically they sat there and listened and got to, you know, and I think they loved it um, at the time. and it and it really did you know it came out in our branding and 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 now really uh, our cans are what sell you know there's a you know the i guess our biggest competitors locally would be kombucha companies because they're really the only companies that are doing na here in town mm-hmm. um besides us you know that are doing something like health forward na and um they sell a lot of kegs um we we don't and i've tried but it, they just don't move as quickly. I think people people are familiar with kombucha. It's it's a household name now. We're hoping to do that with Switchel in the, in mm-hmm. the future. But when we are selling to a place that can have our cans available and visible to the consumer, uh, a little grab and go cooler. If somebody can just walk by it and see it, like people see our labels and they grab the cans and 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 that's what they want. Um, and time and time again, you know, when when we go places, if they say, hey, we want to carry this, I say, well, you should really have, you know, some sort of cooler where people can see this. Because if they see it, they're going to be interested, they're going to want to grab it. And um, the places that do is where we sell a lot more volume. Um, so the can, yeah, the can just, you know, the design. I hated it at first because I thought that it, I thought it was going to sell itself. You know? <laughs> I make it; it's so good, it's going to sell itself. But sure it's enough, gotta be pretty. That's great. Sure yeah. enough. Yeah, uh, shout out to Jenny and against for a understanding the nonsense that comes out of my mouth, and b always making it happen on the floor. Yeah, it takes a team to do all this stuff, right? And maybe you didn't know that in the beginning, but that's something that it, I think it's important. The earlier you learn, you know, that your skills can go so far, and you can. It's it's smart to align with other people who are smarter than you and who have a different skill set. You know, for me, it was like I needed an accountant and I needed a lawyer and I needed somebody who could do stuff like that because I could only go so far with my QuickBooks, you know, and I did it. I learned everything I could with paying taxes, but I wasn't paying taxes, right? Because I got a bill from the state that said, you owe this much money. And I was like, why? I thought I paid that. And they said, well, that was, we, I don't, you got to learn the hard way sometimes, right? So at some point you got to hand some of this stuff over to the professional right you know what you don't know right off the bat i hire we have a bookkeeper and a cpa and we have multiple lawyers because i'm like eric and i we can design a product and take it to market but all of that stuff is things are like i don't want a mystery right right (laughs) i want to just be like okay cool it's in the hands of professionals and i think sometimes kind of back to just like uh gush about jenny for a minute one of our one of our labels for tree fort it was not last year's label, but the year before, run a, it won a Rocky Award. Oh, nice. So, which was cool because I just was like, hey, Jenny, I was like, I want these mountains, but I want the mountains to be made out of berries, and I want this and this. And so I gave her like a crazy, ridiculous out there concept, and then she added like a wood grain because it was for tree for her, and did a couple other things. And then, yeah, it won like a, it won an award. Like I was able to be like, Bleh. and then she just was like, okay, let's, let's rein it in and make it whatever. Um, that was cool, but yeah. So tell me a little bit about some of your marketing six. Like, what's been a, a a good marketing success for you? You know, now that you're you've got you built your brand, it's gorgeous. It's getting noticed. Um, it's helping you drive product. But what kind of things have you done, or are you doing, um, to continue to get product in front of uh, your audience or your your Beth? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, last year. Last October, we uh, participated in Boise Entrepreneurs Week, uh, the trail mix mm-hmm. uh, competition, 
um, that was probably the the next biggest step for us. You know, we had we had marketed obviously with our branding and everything, and got into a lot of local stores. Um, so then we needed to figure out how do we how do we go bigger? How do we go bigger than the co-op? Uh, Albertsons was the answer. Uh, we competed in that. That's put on by the Trailhead downtown. And um, what's that? Against- what's that like? Walk me through like who who competes? What are you competing for? Yeah, you know, how how many people compete? Are there different categories? Like what's it? Yeah, so the trail mix competition is is specifically that one. They they do multiple kind of comp, you know pitch competitions for tech and other things, but the trail mix is specifically for food products, uh, food and beverage products. And uh, when we competed, we competed against seven other uh, Idaho companies that were food or beverage. Um, and it was a little bit different, um, when we did it because of COVID. So we did it virtually. Um, we did have to go in and, and, uh, and do our pitch. We were pitching to four Albertsons execs, um, via Zoom, via Zoom. It was a little weird. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, we just had to pitch our idea, pitch our business, uh, a little bit of numbers here and there. And, um, and, and just compete. And I think uh, when we did it, they told us, they said, hey, you should really just have one person uh, present. And we fought that because we're not, we're not, we're, we're a team. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they said most people just have one person. And we figured out a way to do it. And I think that the judges also really appreciated that because they saw that we were a couple that had different, uh, you know, different um, skill sets. Skill sets, yeah. And, and we were able to. Uh, do that, which got us a lot of recognition, and then get into the Albertsons, um, lots of which press from that too. yeah, lots of press. Like a couple news spots, Boise Dev. Mm-hmm. I think we were in the that was the second time we were in the Statesman. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's another thing that uh, we that was a cool marketing thing. I had we started up Rico. We didn't start it, but it was basically like a. The city of Meridian during the pandemic said, if you have an online ordering system and people order and pay online and they're just coming to pick up, you can have this air quotes farmer's market kind of thing. And so Groves Mushrooms started it. And then there was a bunch of us. It was mostly ag, mostly like farmers and stuff. And then like us to begin with. But through that, I met a woman who owns Weezer River Ranch. Her name is Jamie. Hi, Jamie. I love you if you listen to this. But she's a writer and she got us into the Statesman for the first time. So our like... Weirdly, Boise Dev, Statesman News has been like just other ways to chip away at people being like, oh, there's that brand again. Oh, there they there's are. that brand again. Sure. You know? But yeah. I think the, the winning the trail mix definitely was like one of the biggest. Like, hello, here we are. Is it a financial win? Yeah, we won $25,000. Wow, congrats. And then, thank you. And then we won, technically we won space. Shelf space. Just at which one? Broadway? The Broadway... Uh, the Broadway album. But they gave us okay. six stores. They ended up giving us six stores. Great. Yeah. Wow. We're not expecting it. We're stoked about. Do you get like a trophy? Is there like a Stanley Cup? We have you know, a, that comes we have with like it? A the giant check. Clearinghouse check. Yeah, oh, nice. It's so fun <laughs> to have a hanging up in the shop. Everyone should win one of those yeah. checks. At least once that was definitely a life goal. Hold the, hold the big check. check. I don't often have blonde moments, but there was a hot second where I was like, how do I cash this? <laughs> and then I was like, oh yeah, they're going to give me a real check. That's okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, and we're, you know, kind of um, working right now to develop a system with Albertsons. Albertsons is a different animal than, than you know, these local wholesale places or even, even the Boise Co-op. Um, so I think that that, for, for people who, who are looking to get into Albertsons or looking to compete in that um, event, at least for us, like, we don't, 
it's way different. You know, if if Boise Co-op is running out of product, they will call us and order it. Um, Albertsons expects you to do all these things. Really? You know, so we have since uh, bought a small delivery van, and we have an employee now who is Monday. On every Monday, his job is just to drive around all the Albertsons and take stock and figure out wow. what is in there, and then and then basically order it so that we'll deliver it on Tuesday. So you don't so, get like an email from Albertsons that's like you sold seventy seven cans today or something like that, and like no, because we're a direct vendor, and so for the larger retailers, if you are not through a distributor like UNFI or whatever is applicable to your um, what you're selling, you're direct, and so then it's your job to like work your shelf, know your back stock, do all the stuff. So it's definitely made a lot of work. So that's why we, part of the reason we had to hire someone, because I was like, hey, you can't between the two of us, you know, service these 80 retail partners that we have and then also babysit. Right. Like the Albertsons accounts. It's been crazy. Yeah. And that would all change if we, you know, wanted to go through a distributor in the future. And I think we've, we've been holding off on that because, um, well, working with the distributor is challenging too. It has its challenges, and and you lose some margin in that. Like thirty percent. Wow. Yeah. Thirty-five. And and I think that we we want to do it ourselves. We think we can, and we can we can hire good people and 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 create that culture um, where we have people that work for us that are going in and representing our brand. Um, sure. And you know it's something that has been discussed with a lot of other small businesses around town too. Um, everybody has these challenges with larger distributors. At the end of the day, a lot of the larger distributors, I'm sure they're great, but they're they're paid by Pepsi and Coca Cola mm-hmm. and Budweiser and AB InBev. And um, you know, there's been some discussion about kind of a coalition of of small local businesses that have uh, almost their own distributor. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the challenges is, at least in beer, uh, they hire a sales guy. That sales guy, you know, it's his kind of first job out of college or something. He works for a small craft brewery for a year and then realizes he can go get a job with a larger distributor after having that year's experience and get paid a lot more Yeah, uh, that, that these small craft breweries can't afford to do. So the idea would be to have a bunch of small local businesses kind of pay one person's salary and he would represent multiple small businesses. Interesting. Yeah, which would be a really cool thing. Are you surprised that doesn't exist yet? I think it will exist very soon. Yeah. But no, I'm not surprised yet because I think I think kind of circling back to the pandemic again, people are starting to have this what can we keep in house? What can we keep close? How can we kind of stop the sprawl and bring in concept? And so that exact concept is something you didn't really think about before because you're like, oh, somebody, whatever. It's right. That just large, someone outside of me will do it. And now I think we're kind of like, how can we be reliant on ourselves? I think it's like a trickle down effect from um, just at some point, you know, in the 70s, I guess, you know, we became this huge like agricultural, you know, sort of, uh, uh, you know, large corporations can kind of controlling everything. And, and, you know, there was, you know, in the 70s, how many beer choices did you have? You know? Four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I think it is like, I mean, I attribute craft beer and just like you said, in the 90s, it started growing. I attribute craft beer to a big part of this kind of like revitalizing small local businesses. You know? Sure. I mean, we think about when we were growing up in Illinois, you know, the Walmart came in and, and all the downtowns in, in Illinois were bare yep. you know, there was nothing there um and now those places um 
you know, just like anywhere here in Eagle, you know, like we're downtown here and we have all these small local business and the, the revitalization of kind of like small, you know, um, small mom and pop places. And so, yeah, I think it's just a trickle down effect. And I think that, that now people are going to start doing that on their own and they're going to be these more independent sort of local distributors. Yeah, that's really interesting. How important is it for you guys to be sourcing local? I think it's like a core important part of your brand. And I just want you guys, I want to, I want to hear it from you. Like what's like, why is it important? What are the pros and cons of doing it that way? Is it limiting, you know, what's uh why is it important to you? And, and yeah, what are the, what are the pros and cons of doing that that way? It, it like during the pandemic, it was, we wouldn't have been able to make a switch if we didn't have, um, local purveyors. Um, our honey and our vinegar, which is kind of our two biggest ingredients for our switchels, are both, uh, you know, Idaho companies. I actually I drive when I when I need to go get those ingredients. I drive to those places. I talk to those people and I buy it from them directly. I don't I don't even there's no distributor. There's yeah. no anything. Just um, got to go to the honey store. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Steel Apiaries and Eagle. I just drive there. Um, go pick it up from them directly. Awesome. Um, so it. it you know, during that time where supply chain issues were such a big deal, um, we didn't have that. You know, there were there were some challenges with cans and things like that, but we 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 made it okay. And if we would have had to pivot at that point, we would have. But we we could put a switchel in a different bottle. Sure. But we can't make a you know we can't use our recipe with with a different ingredient. So it's huge. And I think when we started the company before we ever even knew when we were still the botanical soda company. Uh, we kind of put forth, uh, uh, you know, some, some guidelines. I think part of, for me, the kind of way back uh, seed, like when I was first formulating those honey syrups, one of my main intentions was exposing people to concepts that would make them curious about changing their lifestyle, maybe without them noticing at first, like incorporating plants that maybe you wouldn't see in a traditional kind of civilized West society. Like I was pulling from Chinese medicine and like really, really traditional Western herbalism. And so I think with the saying, hey, focus on your local, I'm trying to kind of inspire people to be curious about this lifestyle that's more like what grows near me what seasons are these things yeah. growing in and and kind of evaluate why that's important and then also the like why is it important to support these small local farms that are diversifying maybe they are regenerative ag like mcintyre pastures places like that versus like okay i'm gonna go to the store i'm gonna buy this thing from this huge one monocrop that's in a state that serves no purpose in supporting my local community mm -hmm. because that's like in our life like our backyard is permaculture our life is very permaculture we're like okay what's around us what inputs are being removed from the community what inputs can we put back into the community and so sourcing local produce is like quintessential in that yeah. um it also just tastes better you know yeah. and i think um it's it's a relationship thing too like we like the know your farmer thing like we know our farmers yeah you know there are obviously like a few like the spiced pineapple i don't know who gives me the pineapple but right. i have the pineapple but you know whatever 75 percent of what we get here yeah um and when we don't when we, like, for example the pineapple when we obviously there's nobody growing pineapple in idaho no um but there is a uh uh, a producer in Washington in Prosser, Washington that does a lot of juices and we get it from them. I can say 
with uh, pretty much 100% positivity that we are either buying local or getting products from a company either in Oregon, Washington, Idaho, uh, Montana, and Utah. So pretty much everything we do is kind of that, that they touch Idaho. I love it. Uh, and that's been, that's been like a source of pride for me. Sure. And, and I don't like to um, go away from that. So, you know, the pineapple comes from probably Costa Rica uh, <laughs> and then gets juiced and gets sent to Prosser, Washington. So we're still supporting kind of like, sure. a, a, you know, a Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, economy. I love yeah, it. The ginger too, because yeah. the ginger is obviously not grown here, but we can get it from Charlie's. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, that's great. It feels good. Yeah, I was gonna. Ask, I don't know what's next for you guys. And I, I was gonna ask like, if if the way that you source your product will have any limits to potential growth. But then I don't know how important growth is for you guys right now. And so uh, we all have these businesses. And I remember when my wife and I were starting businesses, we were talking like, how big do we want to get? Because we were, excuse me, we were growing and growing, but like, I think it's, uh, and I didn't know, like, I didn't know. And cause with growth comes greater challenges and more, more, more people and more payroll and more pro it's just, so I'm curious on what your, um, what your thoughts on like what like where are you going next and i know that you said earlier like you don't do this for an end game result you're living in the moment like you're living the life that you're designing by yourselves which i think is awesome but you know it's fair to you know question like what should we be doing next what do you guys what do you guys have on the horizon i think our one of our big concerns is to use Whole Foods slogan to nourish and delight our consumers and doing that locally like Garden City I'm very concerned about Boise I'm very concerned about kind of you know the concentric circle only goes to about the Pacific Northwest I have no intention of sending this can to New York mm-hmm. like New York can take care of its own people get their own switchel yeah, you know, <laughs> well they have a couple they've got some of the east coast things but I think like really saturating the valley and then you know we do ship we do direct to consumer nationwide with the majority of our consumers are still in the Pacific Northwest but there may or may not be a brick and mortar um, on the horizon because we want to be able to have an outlet where we can make really small batch stuff or we can highlight tiny farms you know like there's lots of really fun little farms that can't support the amount that we need when we make these big massive batches but it can also be more macrobiotic like literally what's in season like this year what if we have a bumper crop of yeah and kind of focusing on that and allowing us to like um, utilize other equipment that we have to make other products. So that's something that's coming. Stay tuned on that. Nice. I think yeah. we want to grow uh, locally um, and continue to grow locally. And we think that we can build like a really nice and comfortable life that way uh, without expanding. You know, I think a lot of times with, with in the beverage world, it becomes a numbers game. You know? Sure. People say, well, you know, if you can figure out how to get your cost down here and create a million units, you know, then and you can sell them all for, you know, make a penny off of them and, and that sort of thing. And that's just not a game I don't th- that we want to play. Um, it's it's very common in beverage, you know, and, and efficiency. Um, but but I think that there's a way that we can kind of buck that trend and 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 try to stay local, you know, and honestly. What is what is uh, local Idaho vinegar and, and honey mean to somebody in Southern California? Right, you know? um, it, not as much as it does here, and so it becomes a it becomes something that maybe is irrelevant away from here. Um, and people still might like it, but it doesn't it doesn't have the same meaning. So we want to stay here and um, and continue to grow, and we have a lot of ideas um, 
for for future plans and, and how we can reach the community in different ways nice yeah and kind of pivot a little bit into you know Switchel is like kind of one aspect of maybe a lifestyle brand that we're building that is based around like because our slogan is medicinally minded for the holistically curious and then our tagline is usually are you curious and so we're trying to just like spark this curiosity and like how can you live differently mm -hmm. and so if that means you come to our brick and mortar and you see our super fancy way that we compost and you're like oh well, maybe I want to compost yeah. or like oh everything that they use every input that they have like we waste nothing like we literally waste nothing and so like if people are inspired by these little things and then they input them into their lives we won you know yeah. Ta like that's it you know and i think that the money just follows in the process yeah. you know can we still make a very cushy living doing just that for sure nice are we going to make seven billion dollars a year no but do we need that no i don't even know that we would know what to do with that you know <laughs> well you guys i am out of questions and we are out of time so you guys are awesome. Thank, Thank you so much for coming on. My God, what a great story. Your guys, the origin story, you guys are doing this together. The reason, I love the reason that you're doing it. I love that you both bring different things to the table. You've learned your craft completely on your own with things that you've learned from previous jobs, which is amazing. But, you know, you made the jump from employee to entrepreneur, like, almost seamlessly, which is really hard to do. So I think that you guys should really be proud of that. And then to put out a quality product and to be so, you know, embedded and thankful for the community that you're in, uh, you guys are both really humble and you're thankful for the people that helped you get there. But I also know that you're giving back and you would give back to people that would come to you for help and things like that. And that's just what this, I think that's what makes this community great. I think that's what this community needs. And if people can follow your model, like we're all going to be fine. So thank you for doing what you do. And it's been, I'm so stoked to have met you guys and I looked forward to, you know, seeing how we can help each other out moving forward. So thanks for coming on. Thank you. Our pleasure. Yeah, you bet. Well, there you go. I told you. That was going to be awesome. So thank you, Sam and Eric, for coming on and sharing your story. You are a true inspiration for for all of us. So uh, my name's Matt. This is none of my business. You can find me all over the place. I am. Uh, you can find me at Deets Agency, which is where my write-ups and my blog lives. You can find me on Instagram at Deets Agency. And uh, those are probably two. Oh, I'm also very, very active on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn too. So look me up, connect with me. If you know anyone that has a story here in town that is worth sharing, connect me. Or if you have a story worth sharing, let me know. Let's tell your story. Thank you so much for listening. Keep up the good work. Bye.